You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer along with Bart Kaler, and today our topic is going to be incorporating more of a corporate marketing mindset within higher ed. We speak to Jennifer McCord. She is the Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Asbury University. We have heard about some of the success that they've had at Asbury, and we get to tap into Jennifer's brain on how they've achieved that success. Yeah, Troy, she's she does such a great job kind of explaining that. She's got a a corporate background, much like many of the people in higher ed that I've talked to that kind of have made that shift over from from corporate to the higher ed world. And she does a great job of kind of explaining, you know, some of the thinking and how she approaches that from, from you know, her background. And then she goes into several other things that are just so valuable in this episode. I mean, there's so many good things that she talks about either from the beginning when she just even gives kind of what she's learned recently to the very end when she gives us the, the tip that we always ask about. So I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's it's one that you'll want to bookmark and probably listen to a couple times. Here's our conversation with Jennifer. Jennifer, we're excited to get into the conversation with you about how Asbury's had success and how you've incorporated a corporate culture at Asbury. But before we get into that topic, would love to know if there's anything you have learned recently that would be interesting to share with our audience. Absolutely. Uh, You know, some of the things that we talk about often here are some new thoughts that maybe some of our listeners have never considered. And a couple of those are we're in a moment in time where we are in an eight second attention span world. And that's a little bit shocking to people to, to realize, oh, wow, goodness, my my messages have to be concise and at more impactful than ever. But in addition to that, we're also in a five-generation workplace. So we have, we have to be excellent in an eight-second world and connecting to each person and how they hear things differently with a little bit of that filter of the generations across the board from Gen Z all the way up to traditionals. We still have traditional people on our board of trustees and their grandparents and and different ways that they're they're involved in the university. So how do we connect with them? So the eight second attention span world, the five five generations all take place. And that really gives me a little bit of understanding of when, oh goodness, it's just so hard to connect sometimes. And then to to undercurrent that with we're also doing this in the middle of a global pandemic. Right. <laughs> and so I want to give your listeners just a little bit of grace today, just some time to just give themselves grace to say, you know what, not not all of us can go to a bookshelf and pick off the old 92, right? That book that says how to do this in a pandemic, grow enrollment, grow marketing in a pandemic in an eight second world working with five different generations. So just with that context, it's just a little bit easier to understand. My brain is a bit full and I think others are as well, but it just gives us a little bit of, okay, that makes sense. I can give myself a little bit of grace. 
Thank you. And that's wonderful food for thought. I would like to touch upon that a little bit later about generational communication. And I know that Bart, he has a lot to say about that. And I think he's given a seminar here recently. But before before that, give us an introduction to Asbury. I'd be happy to. Um, Asbury is a beautiful campus here in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's about 20 miles south of Lexington, Kentucky. It's a private Christian liberal arts university. And uh, we really work hard to provide our students with you know, the best, most relevant holistic education, um, really preparing them for their first job but also their fifth job. Mm. And we know that so many uh, jobs just, you know, we're preparing students for jobs that don't even really exist yet. So, so students come here either virtually in an online format with graduate programs or online undergraduate or on our beautiful campus here in Wilmore. And they really learn how to think critically, think creatively, build relationships to be able to be nimble throughout different industries and understand how to do that all in the context with that biblical worldview. So really teaching students how to think, live, serve, and love well is what we do here. Thank you. I appreciate that, Troy. That question was great. And, I, you know, in all transparency, I'm a product of a very similar school to that. And I think we talked about, about that before. And I think a lot of our, our listeners know that already. But I think one of the things that kind of um, intrigues me as we kind of get started into our conversation, Jennifer, and we kind of hinted at it a little bit during the intro, but the idea that you know, while you and I never crossed paths, back before I started Kaler Solutions and, and my focus in higher education, I did, I did a little bit of work, corporate work, and, and one of my clients was uh, Lexmark, the, the agency that I was Absolutely. a part of. And we figured out that while our paths didn't cross, I think there were some similarities. But one thing I'm always fascinated with, and I, and I know we've had several guests on the, on the podcast, Ethan Braden from, from Purdue is one that comes to mind, who had a very successful corporate career and then felt drawn to come into higher education to kind of take what they learned in the corporate realm and apply that into higher ed. And, and I've, that's kind of been my philosophy as I'm getting in because, I mean, I've got a lot of corporate experience, but being able to provide that into higher ed. So tell me a little bit about your corporate background and, and maybe how you arrived at higher ed at Asbury University and then how you've applied some of that thinking to, to your current role. Absolutely. I spent two decades uh, in that Fortune 500 technology world, uh, really focused in that time frame on business development, communications, marketing, sales, all the things, right, mm-hmm. to, to sell a product into a fast-moving, fast-changing world. And how do you create differentiation in a technology industry that, my goodness, there's so much competition So when God brought me to Asbury, it was a really good fit because I was used to working within a large structure of a corporation that really operated just as all Fortune 500, 100 corporations operate like a almost an ocean liner as a whole, right? It takes a lot to change and to move and to be able to respond to the market, but yet in these smaller areas, in these different functions of the business, 
I, I had the privilege of being part of those tugboat operations, <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. Right? Those entrepreneurial groups inside of the ocean liner. And uh, so those tugboat places taught me very quickly how to move quickly, how to respond to the market, how to see what was happening in the industry, but also in the marketplace and who is our understanding, who is our customer and how do we connect with that customer quickly and be able to create that true differentiation and stand out in a very crowded marketplace. So in a lot of industries, that's what, what people are doing. And the same is true in higher education. So there's 5,000 universities in the United States that, and we are all vying for the same group of students, right? They're all 18 for the most part, all graduating high school right. across the world. Right. They have a lot of options. And a lot of universities have very similar qualities and characteristics. And when we can find those unique differentiators to each university, to each product or each thing that we're talking to our customer about, and we can set that apart and customize that message really well to that audience and shift easily, find those parts of the university that are the tugboat that you can actually shift quickly. You know, and there are places in a university where it makes absolute sense that it's an ocean liner, mm -hmm. that it takes time, just like in a big corporation, right? There's reasons that we don't move fast right. in curriculum. There's reasons we have approval processes and, and accreditation things and all of that, correct? But there are always places in an organization that you can find that are tugboat places that you can shift and react to the market quickly. And so how do you find that and, and figure out what is working in those places and what might need to adjust a bit to be able to just tweak it a little bit to connect to that audience more quickly and create that differentiation and in a customized way to your audience. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by SpokeNote, the simple way to add video to anything. If you're looking for an innovative, effective way to get someone's attention, you really ought to check out SpokeNote. They make these easy to use QR code stickers that allow you to record and share personalized videos with anybody. We're seeing SpokeNote stickers used on campuses in some really interesting ways, such as outreach to prospective students, maybe through acceptance letters, welcome messages from student ambassadors during the campus visit and orientation, student life applications like placing about me videos outside a dorm room, even personalized fundraising appeals from the development office and athletic recruiting videos from coaches. The applications for SpokeNote in and out of education are really endless. Try them out today by placing an order at SpokeNote.com. Welcome back. Let's rejoin the conversation right here on The Higher Ed Marketer. A few things that you said that I just want to point out. One, the differentiation. I mean, I, I wanted to give you an amen on that because it's like, you know, the, the idea, and I, I kind of preach this and people get tired of hearing me. You've got to differentiate yourselves from not only your cross apps, but where other people are. I mean, a lot of people, especially when we talk about, you know, small private faith-based schools, we think we're competing against the other small faith-based schools. Most of the time we're competing against the states or the community colleges. 
the state schools, Absolutely. the state schools are competing against other state schools. I mean, so we need to understand what is different about us than anybody else. And so I think that's a really mm-hmm. important piece. How do we communicate that in a very customized, personalized way to our prospective audience? Excellent, excellent point. And I think that finally, that other element that I wanted to just kind of highlight that you said is, is the fact that, yes, we need to have those tugboats. And, you know, ocean liners are slow, but, you know, and I don't want to be disparaging it in any way, but you experienced this going from corporate to higher ed. I know a lot of other people have said this to me. Higher ed is a little slower than corporation. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And so, I mean, you know, so we also have to recognize that, you know, what might be uh, slow in corporate is even slower in higher ed. But that's not to say that that's an excuse. I mean, too many times I think we kind of say, well, this is higher ed. That's what it is. But, I mean, I think even as you've told us, even as you came into Asbury into this new role, you were able to kind of actually get that tugboat a little bit more of a speedboat a little bit. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about some examples of of how you were able to do that. And because, I mean, a lot of people are probably ready with their notes to say, okay, how can I speed some things up? Because it feels like molasses sometimes. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, some of some of it just really, truly has to do with who is who are the decision makers Mm -hmm. and how do you get to them and quickly explain the pain um, in an effective way without disparaging, without throwing people under the bus. Right. But sometimes there's just some pain there that just needs to be addressed because we have to move fast. So what is a pain? And then what are some solutions that are easy to say yes to that you can actually, okay, I found the money. (laughs) I I have the vendor or here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Here's what pain it's going to solve. And here's how quickly that's going to be solved. And sometimes you can get really in a blessed situation and all of the elements come together and you can move really fast. And we found that, and one of the examples that we had was we had the opportunity to be featured in season three of the college tour. And I don't know if your listeners know too much about the college tour. If they don't, you can go to thecollegetour.com and kind of see what I'm talking about. But basically, this is a, a company that highlights a university's students and alumni story directly from the students and alumni. So Gen Z, we know, loves authentic stories from their peers. So there's nothing better than a prospective student that's coming to an on-campus residential program to see from their peers what their experience is. And so the college tour exists to do a basically a college tour on steroids in the in a in a storytelling way and it's available on Amazon, Amazon Prime and lots of other outlets with that stream. And so Gen Z loves to loves a story and they love to binge watch, right? Mm-hmm. So college tour, you get into Amazon Prime and you start on season 1 and hopefully that student just really binge watches all the way through whichever scenes in uh, the college tour is on now. So these are episodes of 30, 30 minutes to 60 minutes. And Asbury was blessed to have the opportunity to make that move. And that really leapfrogged Asbury from the standpoint of we didn't have a strong virtual tour mm-hmm. on our website. And we were in a moment in the spring of 21 
where we were having to make a really hard decision of do we spend the money that we need to find in a virtual tour Mm -hmm. or do we do something else? The college tour kind of heard our our pain (laughs) and they called. We had about a 48-hour window Mm. to make this decision because they were moving on to season four. And so we had to make a very quick decision. So the pain was high on campus with our administration and our decision makers. The need was there. The money was close to there, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) We still had to go find some and be creative in that. Um, But because the vendor and the the solution and the pain were both so present, uh, we were able to move on that decision within a 48-hour window. Actually, even we, we made a cabinet decision in a quick quick meeting where we pulled all the cabinet members together outside of a regular It's like a little huddle on let's figure out how we're going to make this happen. That's awesome. That's right. It was such a victory and it was such a good decision um, because the college tour is a great, great program, great partner. And uh, we have, we have seen nothing but good from that partnership. And so that one worked out, but those are times where, Where can we find these tugboat moments? Where can we move fast? Where can we gather everybody, even if it's not in a cabinet meeting or in a situation because we have to move? And the longer we wait, the longer the results take to come. Right, That's great. Well, in all full disclosure, we actually met Jennifer through Alex Boylan from the college tour. He, he He was kind enough to introduce us. And we've had several episodes. So if you go to just higheredmarketerpodcast.com and do a search for college tour, you'll be able to see some of the other episodes where we've talked about that. But also, you know, we've we've talked to, you know, Hanover, Delaware Valley, Arizona State, University of Illinois. Those were all introductions uh, because of their participation in the college tour. So that was a that was a really good. And I'm so excited to hear you guys uh, having success with that. Yes, absolutely. Jennifer, speaking of the cabinet, recently your role as vice president of enrollment and marketing was elevated to a cabinet level. And I know that both Bart and I believe in the value of doing so, and we'd like to hear your opinion. But before you go into that, would love to know as much as you're willing to share how you came to that decision and how that decision took place. So the cabinet was in a little bit of a transition from the standpoint of, I was not privy to those conversations, right? (laughs) So they saw a need to move from a vice president reporting, having a couple of reporting structures. So financial aid reported to one vice president, admissions reported to a different vice president and marketing or strategic communications reported to a third vice president. So what they recognized last fall was that just moving with three different silos was moving a little bit slow, not by any means other than it just took a little bit longer to move through the communications structure, right? And all three of those sections and all three of those vice presidents worked really well together, but it still just slowed the process down. So they recognized back in the fall that we needed to put uh, all three of those areas together. So admissions from online undergraduate to graduate to residential undergraduate to financial aid and our marketing arm are all three now 
together in one vice president role. And so I am blessed to get to lead that. And it has been an absolute whirlwind, but it has been the right decision. Uh, Not because I'm in the seat, (laughs) but because even if I was still in my marketing seat, it was a, it has sped up decision-making. It has been, we have been able to streamline a lot of communication. We've got to been able to clarify and move a lot more quickly. Yeah, that's exciting. And we had um, Terry Flannery on the podcast a few few weeks ago. She's the author of How to Market a University. And she's a big believer in, and we specifically talked about this, about the importance of marketing having a seat at the cabinet level. Um, and, and I think that a lot of times, I mean, at smaller schools, it's going to be a, a combination of vice president of enrollment and marketing. And, and I'm a big believer, and she actually says this too, is that you know, putting that under enrollment makes a lot of sense because, I mean, you know, for, for the vast majority of those 5,000 schools that you talked about, especially the privates, you know, 95% of the bottom line and the income comes through enrollment, supported certainly many times at different levels by development. But, um, and I think that a lot of times it goes back to what we talked about earlier with the ocean liners and the slowness sometimes of higher ed is that I think that we still have this model many times of marketing serving under advancement and that's okay, but that's, that's where it came out of historically because marketing used to be in charge of let's get the alumni magazine together and that's, that's what we do. That's all marketing really did because, you know, everybody's just going to come to our college because we're here. Well, that's changed obviously in the last 30, 40 years. And so I think that many times kind of recognizing the importance of marketing and then also recognizing the fact of what it is that marketing does is so important. I actually did a post on LinkedIn this morning about, you know, the idea of what, what, if I were a president, what marketing metric would I want to know about? And, you know, I had somebody you know, respond back and said, well, do you think that presidents really understand that if you gave them that, that metric? And I said, well, that's a fair thing, but they've had to learn what cash flow is and P&L is, you know, from the CFO. They have to learn these metrics as well. And her response was back on, on the comment was, that's so true because higher ed has been slow to accept the fact that we're a business and that we have to operate like a business. And I think that you know, folks like you that are coming in from a corporate background can help with that, with the leadership and, and that direction. But I, I think that it's, um, that's so important to kind of understand that. And, and I guess question back to you now, Jennifer, is, is as you're at the table and as you have that sense of marketing, and especially with your background and your experience, um, I'm sure that's going to help, you know, just like you had with the ex- example with the college tour, you know, being able to have conversations about, you know, enrollment, about admissions, about budget cuts, about how we spend the money. Is is that billboard that everybody thinks that we need as important as another way of doing it? Maybe just kind of respond a little bit to some of that. It's it's been critical because to be in be, to be in the room and to hear the origin of the conversations and to really understand where the conversation is coming from. Because a lot of times a budget cut type conversation, by the time it gets to to the staff, that has been filtered four or five, six different times. And sometimes it's not exactly the way it was intended, right? It grows, it's just like the old telephone, you know, game that we played as kids, right? And so to be able to hear the origin of the conversation and to be able to know, okay, how are we going to respond to that? And to be able to speak into that, whether that is a budget situation or it's a new curriculum, new program situation, 
to be able to see the market research and to understand that that okay it that makes sense that we're thinking about that graduate right. program or that new master's program or perhaps I have had something that's happened in admissions or in the marketing world just even that week from the standpoint of an undergraduate conversation or a graduate conversation. And I'm able to bring that in to give some perspective of what's happening on the street, mm -hmm. right? Like what's really being talked about in those admissions conversations and those counselor meetings. Right. What What is the pain of the family? And whenever a curriculum or a program or something is being discussed at that table, I'm able to bring that real world information right then and there. And then we can decide whether to move forward. It just brings the conversation up more quickly and allows marketing and even in the admissions world to be able to speak into what the cabinet is, what the strategy is, what they're talking about across the across campus. And uh, we have just seen just a streamlining and an effectiveness that is is really critical at this moment in time. And I think that, you know, that idea of understanding the pain points, understanding the marketing and all of that, I think is so critical because I think part of it, too, is the fact that so many times it seems like these um, programs are kind of birthed out of, you know, the imagination of, of faculty. And and I think many times I've talked to different marketers and, and, and different enrollment people who are really frustrated sometimes where it's like, okay, we just learned that we have been a, you know approved by the accreditor to do underwater basket weaving, but nobody is going to do underwater basket weaving. I cannot sell that program. And now they've told me we need to fill it with 30 seats next next semester. Another reason why that it's so critical to, to have that voice at the table at the very beginning when it's first coming up. Absolutely. It's just it's just nice to go ahead and get that all all talking. And then everyone knows why we are moving forward or why we aren't. Right. Right. And it's just moves a lot faster. And those communication lines are open and clear so that the telephone game doesn't happen right. uh, as bad or as big. I'm going to pivot here for a second as we start to think a little bit about the multi-generational marketing. I know that, you know, you had referenced that in the in the way that you've been learning about, you know, we've got five generations on campus right now or influencing that. And and lest we forget, probably in three or four years, we're going to have a sixth generation, um, <laughs> you know, and so that's going to that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But let's talk a little bit about that. So tell me a little bit about. You know, we and most of our conversation here has been what I would call tug. So traditional undergrad is what we've been talking a lot about today on this on this podcast. And so we're going to keep doing that. We could probably go into a whole nother conversation about, you know, adult and graduate and all of that. But as for the for the sake of this conversation, tell me a little bit about Asbury University's approach to kind of that traditional residential student population. It's kind of it's migrated from that millennial from a few years ago. And now we're in the in the midst of the Generation Z Tell us a bit about how that approach to your enrollment messaging, to your marketing has, has happened. I believe it's critical, especially with this generation. So if you've learned anything about Gen Z, one of the things that, that is so important to them. So these, these are students that are in school right now. So they are probably mid-elementary mid school up to in college right, right now. They haven't quite 
tipped over into their first jobs yet, but they're coming in the next couple of years, right? And depending on which dates you use, and you can find all kinds of different ones out there. But they're in school. So if someone is marketing to that generation and their parents, that's critical to think about because a lot of these students, a lot of that age range, they're not the purse strings, right? right? They haven't earned that money yet to buy that product or buy that education. So you're really marketing to two generations at least at the same time. One thing about Gen Z that we really have to understand is that their value, they're a buzzword for them. What they really enjoy is a customized experience. So think about what they've done from the crib. They knew how to order Amazon next day delivery or even same day delivery, right? right? Before I even kind of knew what it was, kind of, you know, I mean, they are, they are uh, technology natives. They knew how to swipe an iPad before they knew how to turn a page of a book. And so they understand uh, quick, they understand customized, their feeds on their phones, their home screens, everything is customized to what they want. So how do we take that same customized message into higher ed and really make sure that they understand that there's there are lanes mm-hmm. and there are regulations and there are accreditations and there are qualifications to get this degree. But where it makes sense, where can we customize it? Right. And where can we tell that story? So we took the customized message and then we looked very quickly in the midst of a in the midst of a pandemic, mind you, right? We realized very quickly that our tagline was very similar to a lot of universities that were marketing to millennials a few years ago. And that tagline for Asbury University was start here, impact the world. For millennials, that's a beautiful tagline yep. because they are wired up that they want to impact the world. Gen Z looks a lot like millennials, but they're just a shade off of where they want to customize their world. They want to write their own story. They want to find people that will help them get where they want to go on their journey. And they want those people to stay with them now or for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a generational shift, we shifted from a millennial start here, impact the world to um, Asbury University for the Gen Z student is for the journey of a lifetime. That's great. I love that. And I and I think that's so important to kind of customize those messages because I think that you're right. Uh, it, it's a different world. I did a presentation last week you know, on websites. One of the examples I often give is that in all of my kids, you know, went to through the same school system. And in seventh grade, one of the assignments in their creative writing class was to develop a website with three blog entries about a a topic of your choice, write those three blog entries on the website. So they had to, you know, put together a Wix site or something like that. And then, you know, create a QR code and put the flyers up to advertise your website around the school. And so when I tell people that, I tell them, Gen Z's coming to your website thinking, could I have done a better job than this? Because exactly they probably right. could, or they probably did in their in their elementary class, and so it's so important sometimes when we forget that customization, that that lens of the importance of really understanding the generation because they're coming at it from a different perspective. And the other piece of that Gen Z world, especially for a traditional undergraduate population, is the Gen Z 
student has to be attracted to, As to Asbury or to your university. But you also have to attract the Gen X parent or the millennial parent, mm -hmm. the older millennial parent. But I don't know if you've recognized, if you're in admissions, you'll see it every day, that Gen Z has a large number of grandparents that are raising Gen Z mm, students. That's a really good point. So we're also working with a lot of baby boomers as the grandparent that is actually raising that student. And so you, we have to be very good connecting with each one of those audiences and, and being able to get our differentiation and our value across in a short eight second world, mm -hmm. but then connect to each one of those people in the way they want to be communicated with. I'll add to that, Jennifer, just for the sake of the audience. You already know this too, but as the as the minority populations grow and more and more of our students are going to be coming from Hispanic or other other cultures that um, there's a lot more emphasis on the decision making for the entire generational household. So I've worked with a couple of colleges that really needed to focus on the on the Hispanic market. And, and for that market, you know, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa weighing into that decision and weighing into that is a very big part of their culture. And, and I think that, you know, there's certainly experts that could talk a lot more about this than I can. But I think that goes back to what you're saying here is that not only is that the way it's been in certain cultures, but now it's becoming kind of the, the, the typical for everybody just because of the way the generations are. When I'm training our staff, and we, we've had a couple of people come in and train our staff and our marketing teams on the different generations and how you really talk to them up and down the line, right. we're, we focus on one word per generation, and this helps. It really helps. So there's, as you know, lots of training out there, right? But if you can think about these words, this just helps. So here's a little nugget, okay? for free. <laughs> so, uh, so Gen Z is customized. They want that customized experience. We already talked about that. Millennials, which is the next generation, a little bit older than the Gen Z, they really want to impact the world. So if we can show them how they can impact the world doing what they're doing right now, that impact is the buzzword that catches their attention, that they know that you know them. Right. Gen X, my generation, the smallest generation alive today, right? Yeah. We're we're between uh, two big barbells. You can think of us like a bar between two big barbell uh, weight, the boomers on one end and millennials on the other. And then we kind of have to be great at, at both generations. But Gen, Gen X wants to level up. So how can I show that parent that this education is going to help their student move to the next level. And that level word is a buzzword for Gen X. Mm. And for a baby boomer, they're really wanting to leave a legacy. So for them as a grandparent or a board member or uh, someone speaking into that student's education, how does this education help their student and help them leave a legacy for their student or for their grandchildren that they will be able to move forward. And in our case, we have a lot of grandparents and alumni that want to ensure 
that the legacy of Asbury is that we're we are telling the story of Christ mm. and we are sharing that we are sharing Jesus across the world. So they're really wanting to speak into that so that their legacy is that they know Asbury is going to stay true to the mission and build disciples for the world. I did want to ask you just one thing. In the pre-interview, you talked a little bit about this idea of connection versus perfection. Unpack that a little bit for us. Absolutely. So we have um, a lot of competition. We have a lot of generations. We have technology that changes by the day and different vendors and different partners and different tools that that we can use that will take us to the next level or that can change the trajectory, right? And so if we get caught up in all of that, we lose the customer, we lose the student, we lose what we're doing day in and day out. There are places for that strategy and for those partners and for those tools. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to be in the place we are right now in such a great place with, without some of those partners. But if we get caught up in the next great thing or the next technology or the next social media tool, my goodness, talk about something changing every day, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh, is, is, is today TikTok or Instagram? Or are we Snapchatting today or are we TikToking today? Like, right. right, we can really get unfocused. So my team is being challenged every single conversation, whether it's through our social media accounts or through our face-to-face account, face-to-face conversations is just connect. Mm -hmm. It's connection versus perfection. So if you think about perfection, perfection is all about me. So is, is my presentation perfect? Are my slides perfect? Did that, did that image on that social media post look exactly right? That's all about me. It's all about me. The, our customers and our audience don't need perfection. They want to know that they're valued and that we are connecting to them and that we know them and that they have a pain and we can solve it. So that is the mantra across campus is connect, just connect to our audiences. And we can use these other tools to continue that connection and continue that relationship. But in order to build the relationship, it's connection versus perfection. We appreciate everything that you've shared today, Jennifer, and we love ending our episodes with this final question of if there is a tip or a piece of advice that you could offer that could be implemented rather quickly, what would that be? Well, I think it goes back to connection versus perfection. So in order to do that, sometimes that sounds a little bit harder than it really is. But if you answer these three questions, you'll connect with your audience every single time. So I would encourage our audience to think about who's going to be in front of you in the next hour. Who are you meeting with in the next hour? Who's the next presentation? And to ask yourself these three questions. One, who is my customer? Two, what is important to them? And three, how do I want to make them feel when we're finished? If you, can, if you can answer those three questions and just take 30 seconds and stop before you answer that phone or before you walk into that meeting and answer, who is my customer, what is important to them, and how do I want them to feel, you've connected to that audience. Thank you, Jennifer, and I'm quite confident you have connected with our audience. 
<laughs> we appreciate your time and the wisdom that you've conveyed today. And for those that you have connected with that may want to reach out and find out more from you, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? They can just reach me at my Asbury email and my last name's a little strange. So it's Jennifer.McCord and that is spelled M-C-C-H-O-R-D at asbury.edu. Thank you, Jennifer. I've enjoyed our conversation. I have as well. Thank you so much. We've appreciated both our initial conversations with you and this one that will be public. Bart, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? I just want to kind of highlight a few things that Jennifer said. This was such a wonderful podcast. And again, I would encourage everybody to rewind some of this. But I mean, we started with what she learned recently with, with the eight seconds of attention and the five generations. And we've talked a lot about that. And that's wonderful. And I love the fact that the, the whole conversation revolved around kind of was bookended by two different words, differentiate at the very beginning and then connect at the very end. And I think if you did nothing else in this whole podcast but figured out how could you differentiate your higher ed marketing and how can you better connect your higher ed marketing, I think that that would summarize a ton of things that you could be doing for the next six months. But then even beyond that, I think we really got into some great details about corporate culture. We got into even just those words for each generation, the idea of, of, of customizing for Generation Z, impacting for millennials, leveling up for X, and then legacy for, for those boomers. What a wonderful you know, snapshot to be able to talk, take away Again, grab a piece of paper and your Sharpie, write that down, stick it on your board right now. So I think that was extremely valuable. And then even just the last, you know, leaving thought about, you know, you're getting ready to meet with somebody or even just when you think about how do I want to do that call to action on, on the website? You know, who's going to come? So who is that audience that I'm getting ready to talk to or that I'm getting ready to present this information to? What's important to them? You know, so many times we think that, oh, we have to, you know, have the call to actions apply now. You need a few more wooing before you get to apply now. Let's talk about requesting more information, maybe visiting and things like that. So you've got to figure out who it is, you know, who you're talking to, what is it they're looking for, what's important to them, and then how do you want them to feel? And, and I love those, the simplicity of that. I would add a fourth, if it's okay, Jennifer, is what do you want them to do next? And so, you know, many times it's, it's, you know, if you're an admissions counselor, it's asking for the next step. Hey, would you mind sitting with me and starting your application? It might be on a website. Hey, thank you for filling out this form. This is what to expect next. This is what you can do while you wait for that. So just a lot of really good things today, Jennifer. This was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So thanks again so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions an education marketing and branding agency. Also by Ring Digital, a marketing firm that specializes in boosting lifting yield for higher ed with unique, targeted, and accurate digital marketing campaigns. And by Think Patented, a marketing execution company combining direct mail and unique digital stacks for higher ed outreach success. On behalf of Bart Kaler, my co-host, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.